With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Across the Pond Sports Podcast. Part of Across the Pond Sports Network. Don't forget to drop us a rating and review after the episode. Check us out on social media and on our website at atbsports.net. Hello and welcome to another episode of Across the Pond Sports Podcast. I am James Scott and with me as always is Ryan Doherty. Ryan, it's it's been a, been a bit of a week in the NBA. There's been some tough results. We'll, we'll start off and we'll get the, the elephant out of the room. The Utah Jazz made the playoffs, first team to make the playoffs, without winning a game all week, <laughs> which is... Uh, is, is, a, is a bit of a feat in itself, is it not? Oh, definitely. Um, I don't know if you you watched last night's fiasco. 17 points up against probably the worst in the league, and you managed to blow it. I, I I don't know if it was true or not. I, I vaguely remember it was very, very early in the morning over here. Was that the first time anyone's ever done that? Twice against the same team since, like, 1994. That is, is pretty... Pretty impressive, I gotta say. Just Roman. Yeah, it, I mean, I know last week you said it'd be it, it's it's potentially a good thing for the Utah Jazz that Donovan So and other guys kind of get to step up. But I think the issue this week has been they had two games, and <laughs> they were both against Minnesota, which is fine. I don't think that's the problem. But it's it's quite unusual, especially at this kind of time of the season, to only have two games in a week. There's usually like a minimum of three. Sometimes, most of the time, it's four. So that that in itself seems to to be. I don't know if they just didn't get into a rhythm, or maybe they just didn't train enough without having Donovan there. What I what I've been kind of seeing is year man uh, Snyder's rotations have been very questionable. Like you've got the scoring kick of Jordan Clarkson definitely not playing enough minutes and when he is playing minutes he's not the guy getting the ball near the end of the shot clock you're giving it up to Royce O'Neill hoping that he magically produces the 60% shooting from three that he does every now and again giving it to Bogdan Vandavich and hoping that he kind of gets into the paint and throws up a random hook shot and you're like these are not these are not good offences that you guys are running just now there needs to be more cohesion. And that's what I was saying last week, where I thought this was going to be a real good opportunity to get some of these rotation pieces in the bench guys like amalgamated into this kind of rhythm that you guys seem to always get on a roll run about this kind of time of the season. 
Yeah, usually we have a, a bad start to the season and then, you know, we're kind of clawing our way back all the way. But this year has been kind of the opposite. We've we started strong and, and we've maintained it. Um, obviously, over this last week, we, we lost two games. But it is something that <sighs> rotations have usually generally from Quinn Snyder been very good. And he doesn't have a seven-man rotation. He has like a, a nine and sometimes ten-man rotation, which is even better because then everyone's kind of getting rest and stuff and, you know, you lessen injuries and all the rest of it. So that side of it has been good. But, yeah, I, I actually would start would start Clarkson ahead of Royce O'Neill. You'd obviously have to jiggle things around a little, but I would, I would start Clarkson because I think he proved when and there was injuries at the beginning of the season that he could step up and, and play. And I think it was playing regularly that helped him do that and at the moment he's not starting and he's not playing well, obviously with this last week just having two games he's not playing that regularly so hopefully hopefully um, the next week or so can produce a, a few better results for the Jazz I, I certainly hope so because it has it's not been a great week it's been, and you know what it's been, I hate it when there's only two games or one game even because you don't feel like you're kind of getting your money's worth because it's like <laughs> you, 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 there's just not enough news about the jazz and everyone starts going on about like injuries and who's coming back and you know what teams are kind of kind of going on rolls and stuff like that so it's uh, it's I'd like when and it doesn't like and I'm not just saying this because it's the jazz like when any team is out in front of the entire league by any margin, you want that team to be playing because you want that team, you want to watch that team being challenged for that kind of top spot, if you like, in the league. So I, I always like to watch the kind of league leaders being challenged. And obviously just two games and they were pretty poor games um, on both sides. Yeah, or both both games were, were pretty poor. So I, I was disappointed um, and I think, Quinn Snyder probably has to go back to Salt Lake and, and kind of regroup a little for the week ahead. Definitely. As I was, as you were saying there, that he's he's Clarkson's not really got into his stride. Obviously, he's just back from that little kind of injury scare he had. But what really shocked me last night was the fact that you guys were really close for the last three or four minutes and he was not on the floor. He wasn't seen at the game, which was, I, I just thought it was strange. You had George Niang out there instead of him at points, and I was like, "This is not the right rotation. You guys need offense." And right now, you're 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 hoping that Smoking Joe pulls up from three and just hits one and deflates the whole Minnesota crowd. And it wasn't happening. You know, it just it just didn't seem to. You, you, both teams last night looked like they didn't want to win the game, and that was it was a strange one. They just kept giving the ball away near the end of end of the shot clocks. So I think hopefully over the next week or two, you guys will find that little bit of rhythm. I'm not sure if you've had you've heard any more news on how Donovan's getting on, if he's closer to returning or not, but you definitely need him for the kind of run into these first round of playoff games. I think from the last thing I heard, I think towards the end of this week he's to be reevaluated. I think they were gonna give him a while, like almost two weeks, and then he'd be reevaluated. And then obviously they kind of take it from there because there's no structural damage. It's just kind of ligaments and muscles. So I say just ligaments and muscle. Obviously they're very important. But yeah, it's it's one of those ones where yeah, he just has to kind of rest as much as he can. And I think for someone as competitive as Donovan Mitchell, watching his team lose when he's not there is probably spurring him on to kind of get back quicker. And you don't want that either, because then that just leads to other disastrous injuries and stuff. And we've seen that happen many, many times over the years, where players come back way too early because their teams need them. And it ends up, you know, they all fall on their face and it just is disastrous. What else is happening in around the NBA? So this leads us quite nicely into some of the returns all these players who have now just started coming back from injury. Um, the biggest one, probably, KD. KD's had a nice return to Brooklyn, what's left of Brooklyn, now that Harden 
is still apparently nowhere near to be coming back. He had a mega game off the bench against the Suns. He just seems like just normal KD. It was just strange to see him coming off the bench. He, apparently, he went to Steve Nash and said, I'd rather come off the bench. I want to try it out. I don't want to push myself too hard. He still ended up playing, I believe it was somewhere close to 30 minutes. So, obviously, he was feeling fine. And then getting the, the, the W obviously helped. It's going to help, yeah. And I, I have seen that over the recent kind of couple of years. Players saying, you know what, I'm just going to come off the bench. It's probably kind of best. Not feeling maybe quite 100%. So they come off the bench instead. And I, I sometimes think that's good for team morale as well because you see a star being humble and, being, and, and kind of being honest and saying, don't feel 100%. Let's uh, let someone else step up. Gordon Hayward did it in Boston because it was quite clear that he wasn't 100% back from his injury. And he said to Brad Stevens, look, mate, you need to bench me. This isn't good for me. This isn't good for the team. This isn't good for our record. So, and Brad Stevens went along with it. And yeah, Gordon Hayward became probably one of the most expensive bench players for a while. So I think it's good for a team morale standpoint that he's kind of done that as well. Because I think that team's morale must be pretty low, given the amount of injuries that they've had. I mean, they get a guy back and then another goes out. They get another guy back and he another one goes out. And it is kind of like a revolving door in that physio room, I would imagine, if players just come in and out. Definitely. I mean, that's that's what we were kind of hinting at when they were putting this superstar roster together, though. It was just filled with a bunch of guys, guys who were, you know, injuries waiting to happen. Guys who were known for missing games here, there and everywhere. And it was a total unknown of how these guys would all interact. What I'm really surprised at is Blake Griffin is playing some of the best basketball he's played in the last like three years. I didn't see this coming. I didn't see this coming at all. Just that that one dunk he had in his first game must have just revitalized him. Yeah, I've got got to be honest. Like I haven't seen the next game, but I've seen highlights, and he's making the highlights. And I mean, he made the highlights in Detroit because he was all they had. He made the highlights in LA because he he was actually pretty good. But yeah. He does seem to be a bit of like a, a bit of a second wind in his career. So long may it continue because I, like I was always quite a big fan of his when he played for the Clippers. But yeah, I'm hoping that maybe that's going to spur him on. And and you know what? Maybe the the Detroit thing was a mental thing. You know, his head was in the sand. He'd been traded, and after signing a big contract, and then. <laughs> Which is a kind of joke, but maybe he's just in a better place mentally as well. Definitely. I think he has always kind of fed off of his counterparts in this team. And he was never the focal on offense or on defense. And coming into that Nets team, he's been asked to do a lot on defense. And with Kevin Durant being out, he's been asked to do a bit more on offense than he was obviously in Detroit. Detroit seemed to just give him the ball near the three-point line and say, right, go to work, Blake. And he, he he had good handles, but he was never the guy who was going to cross someone up and then dunk it all over them. It was, I'm going to make a baseline cut and I'm going to jam it right in someone's face. That's his game. And he's he's developed this three-point shot, but he's, he's definitely not got this kind of mid-range game that a lot of teams where they thought that's what they were getting when he left the Clippers. Or oh, he's developed this nice 18-foot shot and... It never, it, it wasn't proven. It was the occasional 18 foot shot. He didn't just suddenly become Lamarcus Aldridge. It was, you know, just a couple here and there. This, this hopefully, actually, or nicely leads us into another big uh, star who's just came back, Anthony Davis. Talking about being humble, he came out and said after his first two performances, I don't know what that was, but that wasn't how I play basketball. You know, he's he's very honest about how his first two games back were. And then he produced an absolute, you know, barnstormer against the Magic, which the Lakers really needed. I, I, we were just talking about how the Jazz lost to the Wolves there. Imagine if the Lakers would have lost to the Magic. Yeah, that, <laughs> that wouldn't have gone down well, especially given the, the team that the Magic have isn't really a team. It, it's kind of just a makeshift kind of, 
that's going to blow over with like a, a breeze of wind. It's, it's a terrible, terrible team. And I'm going to be honest, like I, I kind of feel sorry for Magic fans just now for what they have to watch. Obviously, they're in the total rebuild. But yeah, to for, I mean, Magic fans are probably saying, no, don't win, don't win, don't win, because they want the number one pick or the best chance to get the number one pick. But for me, the Lakers have run a bit hot and cold, as did the Clippers for a while as well. So the Lakers, you can kind of understand it, you know, when you're losing two big stars. But AD coming back and, like you say, being humble and kind of being honest about it and saying, you know, this isn't me playing basketball. This is something else. I think, one, it's true. And then the second one, you know, the the first point that was at the first thing about recognising that you've got a problem is recognising that you've got a problem. So he's obviously recognised it and he's going to deal with it with himself and, you know, probably in a couple of games. And that's it. Like, when you've had an injury and you've missed a bunch of time, you are going to be a bit rusty when you come back, no matter who you are. Well, it all depends on who. I, I You say no matter who you are, but there is that one guy in, in oh, LA who is going to, he's going to come back and he's going to put sorry. up a sorry, near triple some, double. Someone in LA. And we're gonna... <laughs> someone in LA. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Did he, did he not play in Chicago? I'm sure, I'm sure MJ played with a hangover. I mean, a cold um, <laughs> back in the nineties in a playoff game. You, you're not talking about, you're not talking about LeBron James coming back from injury. And, and by the way, a short one in comparison to AD. But oh, a short one. So you're saying that that twist of the ankle that most people would have been saying, yeah, he's, he might actually be done for the season is, is, he is was a short never one? Done. He was never done for the season. Come on. That's all smoke and mirrors. He was never okay. done for the season. Okay. Okay. I, I just, I would like to, ch- I would like to challenge any of our listeners out there to see if they can withstand that kind of force on an ankle and then just go, yeah, in about four or five weeks, I'll be back. Don't worry. Yeah, he'll be back. But he's not doing triple-doubles his first game. <sighs> oh, I think he, yeah, I think he might. He will need to. Uh, that, that Lakers team are basically just... They're, they're on the cusp of falling into those playing games. And we know that Vogel and the higher-ups will not want that. Imagine after being champions, having to do play-in games. That is not going to fly. <laughs> so, if they do... So, I had to laugh. Um, the, the thought of the Lakers having to do a play-in game just fills me with joy. If Vogel does, doesn't kind of meet expectations, which is obviously just make the playoffs clear and simple, no play-in games or anything like that, how soon... Or do, does he last the playoffs at all and Kid takes over? Or do they at least give him the playoffs and then Kid takes over in the offseason? I I think Vogel might be there for the long haul. I'm not sure if he'll be the the head coach, but he'll definitely be an overseer. The whole defensive structure that he's brought to that team is something that those guys were missing for many, many years. So I don't think they they would just chop him just for you know having to do a playing game or having some bad results from the playoffs after this ridiculous year. If it was going to become a more regular thing, so if they started the next season with a similar shaky start, then, yeah, they would probably look at, you know, moving him on to, you know, greener pastures, higher up the, the, arc, or, the arc or something like that. But they wouldn't, I don't think they would fire him. They're, he's, I think, bringing a championship and changing the whole mentality there was is enough to say kind of more of a kind of safety net for him than anything else. Even though I, I do agree that Kid is probably a better fit for a LeBron-led Lakers team. I think LeBron tends to play better for coaches that have been players, and I think that's been evident wherever he's been, with the exception of Eric Spolstra. But I think with Eric Spolstra. Even that was different because he started off, what, in the video room and then he kind of worked his way up through the organisation. So I think he'd kind of paid his dues there. However, there's always been this rumour that LeBron went to Pat Riley's office and said, so when is it you're taking over? <laughs> there has, I have heard that rumour on more than one occasion. 
So LeBron does have issues with coaches who are, that, that's been their career as a coach and not an NBA player. Because even for in Cleveland, like, although he pretty much ran the show and he was the head coach, you know, there, there was, Lou did have that kind of, he did seem to have some bit of power over him to kind of rein him in a slightly. But I think Kidd, though, I think Kidd would have been a much better fit. I thought Kidd was really good in Milwaukee. I thought, I actually thought he was hard done by. I think he was fired far yeah, too totally. early. Totally. Far too early. And I think you could tell that from the players' reaction. Yanis was upset that, that Kidd had gone. He was learning a lot from someone who was a great player. And definitely has the makings of a good, good coach. So a bit of a shame, really. But I, I, I do not understand the, the hiring of Vogel in the first place. Yes, defensively, he's, he's kind of turned things around. And when you've got a team that has no offense because your big stars are out, that defense is obviously helping them win games. But what happens when you install these two offensive juggernauts back into the lineup? You're, you've got a really, really good, strong team. But again, I just, Jason Kidd is, I think, like you said, is a better fit. But I I think if they don't produce the result that Genie Bus wants or demands, then I, I think Vogel, I think he's shown the door. I, I don't think, I, I just can't see him, because even if he's not shown the door, he's going to leave because he's going to be like, well, no, I don't want a second-rate job. I want the head coach's job. I want to be the guy. And he's not just going to hand that over to Jason Kidd and go into the back office. You will. You'd be surprised. Look at Mike D'Antoni. Did you ever think Mike D'Antoni would would choose to go and be assistant coach to his once all-star point guard? I didn't see that coming. So, I'll be honest, I didn't see it coming. However, I think... Steve Nash is the only player he would have ever have done that for. Yeah, but, but I don't not I don't not as his first job. <laughs> no, I, I think D'Antoni and, and Nash have, from my understanding, have had a relationship long after Nash retired, and obviously Nash hasn't not he's not coached in the organization before. But he's been consulting with the Golden State Warriors since he retired, and obviously they've they've done pretty well, and that's why they've. They, I think that's why they went after him because they they seen potential in him in Brooklyn, and that's why they went after him. And then they've obviously went to him like, right, who would you bring in as your assistant? Because you've never been a head coach before. It's your first job. You're going to need someone strong. And I think D'Antoni was at the top of the list. And I think D'Antoni was probably the only name on Steve Nash's list. And I think because of the relationship that they have personally, I, I think D'Antoni goes nowhere else as an assistant coach unless it was Steve Nash. And it was Steve Nash that made the phone call and said, Mike, I need a favour. I'm taking this head coach's job and I need some help. And I think, I think that's the only reason D'Antoni was there. So you don't think it was the fact that he also said, and guess what, Mike? We're going to have like four superstars and we're not going to play any defense. No defense. I, I Well, Dan Tony's famous for, for, for that but because he is an offensive coach. But I, yeah, obviously the lure of having KD, Kyrie, now you have James Harden. I wasn't always, I never always got the vibe that Harden and, D'Antoni actually got along. Sometimes you see coaches with their superstar players and you're like, you just look at the kind of body language and you're like, you know what, those two are like, they're on a level, like they, they know each other well. Uh, like D'Antoni and Nash as an example. But with Harden, I, I've never felt that they were ever close in any, I, I, like away from the game. Like they're obviously close between player and kind of superstar. But in terms of kind of player and person, or player and coach, I don't think they were kind of close personally. Yeah, I think I think Harden produces that kind of aura around himself for everyone, though. I mean, look at everyone he's ever teamed up with. He just suddenly almost looks like he hates them, you know, and that's probably not true. You know, I, I'm still 
pretty sure that he probably has a really good relationship with guys like uh, Eric Gordon, maybe not CP3 anymore, KD and stuff like that. He's obviously redeveloped that relationship with KD even after all the battles they had against KD and stuff in the playoffs. So, yeah, I do I do agree that... But that's the thing, like, you, you, when you're playing against someone compared to playing with someone, it's completely different because you can still respect a guy that you're playing against, but the personal side of it, I don't think has to come into it. But when you're playing on the same team, the one, you have to kind of respect each other professionally. But at the same time, I think it's important to have a kind of personal relationship with the, the guys on your team as well. So that you build that camaraderie and, you know, you actually play as a team because everyone's on the same page. I don't know. This, this actually leads us into a little bit of a sidebar here. Did you see the, the, the Kevin the Kevin Love incident the other night? No, I've not seen the Kevin Love incident, no. Uh, so yeah, they were they were getting they were getting beat on by the Raptors and basket happens, referee gets the ball, passes it to Love, and Kevin Love is absolutely disgusted with the rest of his team and literally just punches the ball out onto the court, doesn't go and try and get it. And it just falls to, I think it was Stanley Johnson. And Stanley Johnson passes it to Malachi Flynn, who hits a three. And you can see, I believe it's Garland, scrambling about trying to guard three players at once. And Kevin Love's sitting there going, oh, I'm done, man. I'd, like He's trying to walk off the court, pretty much. I think Kevin Love's one of these players that he started in Minnesota. And what was it? It was double-double every game for like 83 games or something. And he was definitely a player on the rise, but I've always thought that as well as players becoming better around, around LeBron, there on the other side of that, there is like a, a bit of a vacuum when LeBron leaves the team. And Kevin Love was a superstar in Minnesota, and he was billed as being like a, a Chris Bosch, if you like, in Cleveland for LeBron. But I never ever seen it. I Kevin Love was certainly capable of it, but I never seen it. And I think that vacuum of LeBron then leaving has just soured it for Kevin Love. And obviously injuries and stuff have never ever helped. He has been hindered greatly by injuries. But nah, I don't I think he unfortunately fell victim to LeBron because he wasn't one of his guys and he wasn't taking him with him to wherever he was moving to next. Yeah, I do agree. Like The injuries that Kevin Love's had throughout his career have really impacted his overall game. When he was in Minnesota, he was a lot more mobile and he was a lot more kind of everywhere on the floor. Since, obviously, he's been in Cleveland, even without LeBron and Kyrie and stuff like that, he was never seen as the guy. You couldn't just say, right, Kevin Love's on the floor, we're going to get 30 points from him, maybe 8 to 12 rebounds. We'll be fine in this game. You couldn't really ever count on them in that kind of aspect. And I think that's what a lot of people, when they look at when LeBron leads a team, oh, who's he left behind and stuff like that. And they, and they go, well, these guys suddenly became you know, a shell of themselves. But I think what they have to realize is, were these guys up to the same standards as they were before they got to where LeBron was? Was there other circumstances like that helped them get to where LeBron is? And like the injuries, like we were just saying about when LeBron teamed up with D Wade, it was after D Wade's knee surgery and stuff. Kevin Love was coming off of a little niggling injuries with his hip and with his ankle and knee and stuff like that in Minnesota when he got to Cleveland. And then you had, obviously, Isaiah Thomas coming in after the, the whole Boston shenanigans with his injuries. So there's been there's been a, a definite pattern to this. So it's not like suddenly LeBron goes out and gets three healthy All-Stars. There's always little caveats to these guys that come with LeBron to these teams. That's one way of looking at it. <laughs> but Isaiah Thomas was, and, and Kevin Love, were both good at their respective teams. And I don't think a couple of injuries, I mean, to be fair, Isaiah Thomas was quite substantial. But I don't think like injuries 
which we would normally take back and uphold. I think, and I've always been of the opinion, if Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas had stayed in Boston and been able to rehab and get back, I, I, I think he would have been very good. But obviously Danny H had different kind of, yeah, he was kind of game planning for something much bigger that's clearly fell on its face because Kyrie lasted a year, <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't go down too well. But for, for me, LeBron does leave a vacuum whenever he leaves a team. And I'm not even just talking about the, the other guys that were superstars. Um, I'm talking about guys that were on the bench. I mean, not to go down this rabbit hole, but one thing that you notice from the last dance is that the players that played with MJ, I think all of them at some point during that documentary alluded to, in, in some kind of shape or form, alluded to the fact that MJ pulled them along and if they didn't get better themselves, then they would probably find themselves out the door, which is why they, they played and trained under a kind of fear of MJ because they want and and it, it then became a kind of more of an appreciation because they actually wanted to do well for him because they knew when they did well for him, you know, they got a bit of a pat on the back from him and that meant a lot to them. I I don't see that from LeBron and and I think this and I love I love player empowerment and LeBron has been able to move around. Michael didn't move around until. The, the, the last team he played on but he stayed with Chicago went and played baseball came back to Chicago and he built up those teams on both occasions to to win back to back to back titles twice LeBron has moved around so much and player impairment is fine and he's made a lot of money out of it but at the end of the day the teams that he has left behind have been penniless because they've kind of maxed out their tax, uh, luxury tax and everything else. And, you know, he, he made demands on Gilbert to, you know, spend, spend, spend. And I, it was the wrong choice for Gilbert to say, yeah, yeah, I'll just spend because now he's in the hole and the, the Cleveland franchise is, is probably, what, about 10 years away from being relevant again? I don't think they're that far away from being relevant. They've got two really explosive guards and... Jaron Allen, obviously, they've got they've got a lot of good pieces. I think they're probably two or, two or three more pieces away from being a perennial playoff team, if not just playing team. They're they're definitely yeah, getting playing, a playing team. Yeah, they're not. No, no. well, I they have pieces, they, but pieces don't make a championship team. Not yeah. not those kind of pieces. What, what, I, what I was reading the other day there, just on this whole kind of topic of when LeBron leaves a team, he leaves behind absolute devastation. There's, there's an interesting stat going about with LeBron not being on the floor. Only one team has a record above a 40% win rate when LeBron has not been on the floor for, for that said team. For his many moves, as you were saying. 40%. That's, it's not asking a lot. Any guesses what team that was? Is it Miami? It was a Miami team, yeah. Everything else, every other team, you're talking low 30s. Yeah, but look at the low players they had in Miami. You've got Chris Bosch, you've got D. Wade, you've got Ray Allen. Like, those those guys were not injured, for, for one. Um, well, certainly not when Chris Bosch arrived. And, yeah, like, they, they were... they got, Miami got those guys in their prime. I mean, that, that was, was a good Ray, time. Ray Allen was in the Not Ray Allen, when he went sorry. To Miami. No, Wait a minute. Sorry, I'm talking about D, Wade and D, Bosch. Oh, so D, D Wade was in his prime after his knee up. Interesting. It's an interesting, interesting fact there. Wade was, Wade was excellent during the, the, that run. Yeah. He was excellent, but really, he was, really he was, he was considerably weaker than when he, when he won his first chip. And it's very, very obvious to see if you look in the numbers. Yeah, but if you if you look at right across the team, who who led the team? Because it wasn't LeBron. LeBron was the mouthpiece, but Wade was pulling the strings. Yeah, and Wade, Wade probably 
probably in my opinion, and this is totally just opinion, when LeBron goes and asks Pat Riley, right, mate, when you're taking over, it's probably D. Wade that kind of steps in and says, well, you know, this guy's been here a while and he's done a pretty decent job so far, so maybe we'll want to give him a chance. <laughs> maybe. You know. I, I, I'm just, I, 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 obviously we come from two very different views on this and the fact that LeBron spent what, seven LeBron? years. He spent seven years under who in Cleveland? What were they doing in Cleveland with his first seven years? Pissing against, basically just pissing against a wall. That's what they were doing. Yeah, but how they, long did it take MG to win his first title? Well, it took him to go and get Scottie Pippen. That's what that's what happened. So, yeah, but it took it took how long before you got D Wade and Chris Bosh? Oh well, you know we we've got we've got a, a, an ownership who are obviously wanting to build around a superstar and ownership who are are not wanting to build a super, build around a superstar, which is is why obviously why Dan Gilbert the second time around with LeBron was willing to give up so much. He's like, yeah, we fucked you over. Here, have some, here, have, have what you want. Because if we'd have done this to start with, maybe you wouldn't have left. I think he still would have left. Oh, I don't know. I don't uh, know. He would have left. No, he would have, he would have been gone. I don't think he would have necessarily left twice. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would have left, if he, had gone, if he was going to leave, he would have left later. He would have done an MG. And, and would have left later, probably about now, or just like when he joined the Lakers there. I think he probably would have stayed, those, instead of going to Miami, would have stayed in, in Cleveland and left around when he left for LA. Yeah, you're probably right there. You're probably right. Well, um, this wow, is going to make Did you just say <laughs> I was right? Jesus Christ. Makes me say, Bar there. Back to some of the other happenings around the league. Next. Knicks finally lose a game after we were just about to big them up. What happened? Jeez, wow. Talk about... A, <laughs> you know what? I, I do write the pitch out of um, Tom Thibodeau on a regular occasion um, just because I think he's not that... He's a very good defensive coach, but I, I've, I don't really rate him as a head coach. He's but a, he's a just, hard taskmaster. Yeah, yeah, well... It was hard to ask Master and then it's just been a douche. <laughs> but in, in this run, though, now, in this run, they have beaten the Grizzlies, the Raptors, the Lakers, the Pelicans twice, the Mavericks, the Hawks, the Hornets. In fact, the Raptors twice as well. Uh, Suns, Bulls, Rockets. Oh, sorry, I went too far. Now, for me, I, I look at the, the teams that they're playing and other than probably the Lakers, the Grizzlies are pretty decent out in the West. The Raptors are terrible. <laughs> like the Raptors are <laughs> terrible. Before before the the loss, they had been beaten by the Nets and the Celtics. And then they went on their run after that before kind of ending it against at the Suns last night. But I just look at the teams and like now, the Hornets were a playoff team, but obviously without your boy Ball, they're, they're not the same team. The only team that the only team that they really kind of beat of any kind of substance is the Mavericks. So the Hawks aren't a team, but they're a playoff team. They're a very solid playoff team, actually. Even without Trey Young, they're beating teams. I just... I'm not sold on the Hawks. I'm not. I'll be honest, I'm not sold on the Hawks. Yes, they're a playoff team at the moment. And looking at the kind of records that are underneath them, it would probably be difficult for for them to... To fall into it, that play-in. Yeah, because yeah. it's the top six. Well, it's from six down that they're in the play-in. Or it's yeah. seven down or something, I don't know. But it would be hard for them. But I think they've had a good good start to the season and they've kind of just built on it. And it's about time, but I just I, I just look at those games and I just think they could have had a tougher run. And I just because I mean they have been beaten off of some kind of some dirty teams in the past, like, like the team They have, yeah, like the team wolves. Thanks for that. But the Knicks have done well. I will give them props for that, and they are 
in terms of playoffs. I mean, they're fourth. They're only seven and a half games back on the Nets, who are in top spot. But the Nets have had a great run. I mean, nine and one in the last ten. That, that for for a Knicks team since I was probably since I was about twenty three. That's probably the best record the Knicks have had over ten games because <laughs> they have been terrible for a long, long time. I I give them props, and I give. I reluctantly give Tom Thibodeau props, but I think we've mentioned it before. I think you mentioned it was the rotation. He's he's still running guys into the ground. (laughs) So the question will remain until the playoffs is, is he going to run these guys into the ground, get to the playoffs and they're just going to run out of steam? Yeah, I have, I have real, worries about what's going to happen when it does get to playoff time with Tom Thibodeau's rotations. A lot of teams go to an eight-person rotation. He's been there. He's been there since day one. How does he reshorten it anymore? Does he just go six people? So you've got the starting five guys and Derek Rose. That's it. No one else sees the floor. It is going to be hilarious. And, you know, if Randall is up to the task, fair play to him. You know, we talked about him last week or the week before about most improved player, you know, if he, if he gets them past the first round and starts doing things in the second rounds, he's he's going to go up in my estimation massively. Yeah, it's going to turn it around. I coming into the league, I thought oh, this guy's going to be good. Like I genuinely thought this this guy's going to be good, and yeah, he kind of flopped. <laughs> and I was like, oh well, he'll be at the league in a couple of years, but he he's turned it around. <laughs> He really has turned it around. And it's positive. It's, it's good. And, you know, it's good for New York. I think I think the NBA is better for a good New York team, like in general. Because you look at the New York Knicks and you think of they play in Madison Square Garden and there's like all this kind of history around that arena and they've never really had the basketball team to kind of back it up. Yeah, I think now that we've got the Celtics, the Lakers, the Knicks, etc., all being not just relevant. They're, you know, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Possibly championship challengers. You know that that's that's the strange thing that's coming out of my mouth. Right, it's gone too far. You have to go there. You have to just take it too far. Right, you never before, know. You never know. When you take it any further, what else you got? <laughs> well, we seem to be on on the on the, the bad end of these snapping streaks. We write all these nice little pieces about teams that are on rolls. Here comes the whiz. No, they don't. The Spurs put an end to that last night. They got beaten overtime. Washington, you know, really making a, a dent in the in that playoff race though. They came from pretty much nowhere. After that kind of little COVID related absence for a lot of their guys and lots a lot of kind of postponements, they've just been on an absolute tear. Russell Westbrook just putting up every triple double, you know, he's just he's a machine, absolute machine. Yeah, he, he does put up a lot of triple doubles, and I think he's pretty close to breaking the, the all time record as well. I think I've seen somewhere it's got to be like um, seven off an hour or something. Yeah, it's close. He's, he's not far, but yeah, the Wizards. I think we pretty much written them off about a month ago, and then yeah, they start kind of tearing up and you know what they're a team that beat the Jazz they beat the Warriors they beat the Pelicans the Thunder and they've kind of just rolled it along and yeah they've come up against the the Spurs and the Spurs still have a lot to play for as well so they were definitely one to to come away with a, a win because at the moment in the West you know the West they're in ninth it's all to play for the Warriors, Steph Curry keeps kind of popping up with these uh, massive numbers and, and pulling off wins. So, but the Spurs, Spurs are on a three-game win streak, and they're maybe coming coming into it at the right time of the season where they can kind of push for that play-in. I I would I would say yeah, I totally agree with you, but I think with injuries, the Spurs have now just sustained. I don't know if you've seen, but their main point guard, uh, Derek White, hurt his ankle pretty badly last night. 
real sad for me. I have I've had him in my fantasy league team for a long time now. Loving the work he was doing this year, and he came down on Jakob Pertl's ankle basically and twisted his own one pretty badly. So he's he's probably done for the season. So without him, you're now looking at more minutes for Paddy Mills. I love Paddy Mills, but he shouldn't be starting an NBA team. Uh, more minutes for Lonnie Walker. Does anyone care about Lonnie Walker? It's just, it's not I'm good. Sure They've I, not forgot, I, for, I forgot Walker was there. <laughs> How bad I, I kind of feel about him. I think the, the Spurs, though, they, they do have, like, they do have other guys that can bring the ball up. They've got Rudy Gay's a decent ball handler. Uh, Marnie's a decent handler. So, and, you know, if you want to kind of go there, you get to Rosen as well. So they do have guys that can bring the ball up. So I'd, I don't think it's maybe as big a, a hit as you may is, is it not a great player to lose? He is very good, but I've been a big fan of his this season. I think he's done really, really well. But, yeah, I, I don't think it's quite a big as hit as you as you maybe think. I think I think they can keep rolling. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I think this 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 then leads us into what you were just talking about earlier there with Toronto. We we talked about it. I think it was about a month ago now about the fact that certain teams were getting fined. Toronto were arresting pretty much their whole roster, including their coach, and they weren't getting fined. It finally happened. They got fined. They arrested. They arrested Gary Trent Jr. Pascal Siakam. Fred Van Vick, uh, Kyle Lowry, Aaron Baines, pretty much everyone on the roster and played some random minutes from Watanabe. I think there was 40-odd minutes close to with Malachi Flynn. It was it was some ugly games that they were having. So the league decided to actually put the kibosh on that and actually find them this time. So eventually no, they, they get there. They could have went the whole hog and just like played their G League team. They did. <laughs> they could just they play the whole did. thing. Um, that probably would have been a way to go. I think at this time of the season, though, and it's the same every time, every year, this time, that there are teams that are not playing for a playoff spot and they do start to rest their stars and they start to kind of plan for next season. And I think, though, they've taken... They, the, the, Raptors took this to extremes with the amount of players that they rested. I mean, if you were to, if you were to rest Kyle Lowry, I would say yeah, rest Kyle Lowry. I'd probably just wrap him up in cotton wool for the rest of the year and just sit him down because you want him nice and fresh for for next season. But yeah, for the rest, I mean, there's a lot of young guys there. They should be able to to handle playing a full season. Or, yeah, so minutes they should be. They, yeah. they should be having having at least ten to fifteen minutes a night. <laughs> Strangely enough, though, they're they're still in the playoff race, so it'll be interesting over the next week to see if they stay in that kind of playing game. I don't because think they, want to. I, I, they definitely I, don't want to, but they just no. seem to not be able to stop winning. That's that's the, the well, weird thing about it. That that I just don't think they want to be anywhere close to that. And there are they are out of it just now, but they are only like what a game away. So it will be very interesting to see how that one works out. What we'll do is we'll take a, a quick break and we'll be right back after this. Okay, so we're back and we're gonna talk about Steph Curry. Steph Curry, way back when we had Kareth Burke on the show, when he, he kind of decided to, to break a, a franchise club record. It was a good timing. And he just kind of keeps going from strength to strength. I mean, to think that this guy was injured and, you know, last season was pretty much a write-off for him, he's making up for it this season, isn't he? He's doing, he's doing as we were saying, he's doing all this in one ankle. One ankle and pretty much with no help. Draymond Green shooting is on holiday. It's been on holiday. He's not even doing the usual kick people in the nuts trick that he usually does. He's, he's not really setting screens. He's getting a lot of steals and rebounds. Loads of assists. He had 19 assists the other night, which is fantastic. But he's scoring like under four points a game for the last, I don't know, like month. But Steph Curry is making up for all that. 85 threes in a month with games still left to go. He plays tonight. So it'll be interesting to find out what he ends up on. 
can he get to 100? I think he possibly can. Well, I think was he not averaging like 10 a game for a while? Yep. So oh, on on over 50% shooting. Yeah, I know. It's insane how on target that boy is. I mean, he is on target all the time. He just kills it night after night. So he's just, I think I said it before, he's just like a machine. He just keeps going. He finds that range and there's just no looking back. And teams behind him are, like you say, I mean, if he had Clay Thompson and he had a, somewhat of a dream or green. I think this team would be a lot further up the playoffs. I think I actually think they would be in the playoffs rather than having to do a playing game. But I think Kareth Burke said that, you know, they don't really care how they get into the playoffs. They just want to get into the playoffs. That's that's the result. The the idea is just to get there. So they're they're not going to be sitting curry anytime soon either because they are on that cusp of potentially being out of the playoffs, being in the playoffs, being out of the playoffs. And that's all going to depend on how other teams play around them as well. So that's that's going to be an interesting race uh, towards the end of the season. I don't think a lot of teams want to see Golden State come out of those playing games. I think, like, with the hot shooting that Steph's been doing, I was reading a stat the other day that over the last month, they have the number one ranked offense and, like, the number four ranked defense in the whole league which is just insane. Like, to say it's basically just Steph. Steph is doing this all by himself, the the offense end anyway. And Draymond is obviously locking it down on defense. Now, the interesting stat was the previous month, they were around about the kind of mid-teens for offense and 24th on defense. And as we were saying with Kareth, the, the whole thing that's changed, the main thing that's changed, is James Wiseman has not been on the court. So... Without that rookie in the court, they have got back to their old ways. Yeah, he, had, he, I think it was you had said to Gareth that you know he'd really turned a corner and was looking really good, and obviously just as that happened, he got injured, uh, which is sometimes what happens. But I, I think for the Warriors, they need to kind of stay focused. I think Green really needs to step up. You know what I've noticed as well this year with Green? He is very quiet. There's no... He's still getting technicals. Still yeah, getting technicals. no, no. I, I just mean, <laughs> I, I just mean kind of, usually he's kind of on TV and he's kind of making an ass out of people. But but like like saying, last year, he, he claimed he was the best defensive player of all time. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was, that was still this season, James. <laughs> I know it was a while ago, but that was still this season. This season... <laughs> Those two seasons are going to roll into one. <laughs> but, um, nah, what's that this season he said that? Well, yeah. Geez, <laughs> it does seem like a long time ago. Um, I, I think Green, he was a good defensive player. Was he the best of all time? I don't think he comes close. I, I actually quite like the guy. Like, I think he's, he's personable. I think he's funny. I think he gets in people's heads. A lot like uh, Joe Ingles does in Utah. Joe Ingles likes to, to get in the heads, not just of the players, but sometimes he gets in the heads of the fans as well, which is always quite amusing. But Green, I, I think his time in Golden State could be could be up in the off-season. I think, I think Clay coming back, you've got Steph, you've got Wiseman, Wiggins, who's, who's been much better since his move from Minnesota. Uh, I think... They maybe go after another piece that fits what they want to do moving forward. I I wouldn't be surprised if he stays. I think he's going to be one of these guys like Udonis Haslam and is just always around the locker room. You know, still on, still available to play, but is not ever really required to play. You know, because they'll have better pieces around Steph and Clay. But yeah, I just I don't think there's going to be a lot of suitors out there looking for a Draymond Green, not after what they've seen him do this season and not after some of the claims he was making. You know what? There's always a team, always a team, that, that would that would want someone like Green because they may not necessarily want him Green as the player, but they'll maybe want Green as the personality in the locker room. Going into maybe a Minnesota, 
and kicking Carl Anthony Towns up the rear end. You know, someone like that that can really kind of push the ball out. Because the thing with Jimmy, when Jimmy did it, Jimmy didn't have championships behind him. Green has some championships behind him. And player turns around and says to him, who, who the hell do you think you are? I'm the guy with rings and you don't have any. Yeah. But, I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy did have a lot of playoff experience. And, you know, it wasn't just Jimmy rings? that was there. Did he have rings? He didn't have rings. Jimmy, no, but Tash, Tash Still Gibson doesn't was have rings. there. <laughs> he, does, Gibson he doesn't have there. rings either. <laughs> no, but I'm talking for the, for the fact, uh, for the fact of big men playing defence and that's what we know that Carl Anthony Downs doesn't like to do. So there was a whole bunch of guys there that were there to help him play defence and he decided, nah, I'm going to take the easy way out. Yeah. Oh, no, he did. He, he took the easy way out. One, one guy who, who I know has worked with players in the past is Hakeem Olajuwon has worked with players in the past and I don't know if Minnesota have ever reached out to him to have him come in and work with Carl. Because I think that would be someone that Carl would have to stand up and pay attention to because the guy's a legend. And maybe that's a route that they maybe should look at going down is, is instead of bringing in current players, maybe have them work with a former player that's a legend like Akeem Olajuwon. And, uh, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure, see when KG went back to Minnesota, I'm pretty sure KG worked with Carl. And KG just, yeah. I think he just gave up on him. He was like, nah, yeah. this guy is not willing to learn. But he was a player. I'm, I'm saying, like, I know what? he was at the end of his career. What? And he, what? Yeah, was KG a player but... back then? <laughs> well, his name was on the roster. Um, <laughs> so, but I mean, like, he want, an absolute he wanted, legend. He, he wanted more. He wanted to be on that, you know, ownership rather than yeah. just on the roster. Well, he's not going to get anywhere near the ownership now with A-Rod kind of buying the team so that's went doing the swanee as we say what's the last thing you've got for us then so the last thing that we're gonna have a chat about is billy donovan billy donovan and the bulls who is at fault for this massive massive demise basically it's a weird you know what you look at the roster that the bulls have that's a decent roster I like that roster. Strong. It's very, very strong. I really do like that. Does this show that Billy Donovan is not our head coach? I I think that the the Bulls, because they had so many years of just nothingness, you know, they had Jim Boylan last year who you couldn't pick him off the street. You really couldn't have. You'd be like, is this guy an NBA head coach or was he a fan that just sat in the wrong seat? He didn't seem to know who his players were. He didn't have any real bond with them. In terms of team style, there was none. There was none of that hard grit, the kind of grit and grind that we know that the Bulls do have in their their DNA. They've got a whole bunch of coaches that have been there for a long time. And there was just none. There was there was no impotence sort of like kind of wanting to win. So the fact that Billy Donovan's came in there. He did well at the start of the season, but that's like trying to say that last year they were battling with one arm and suddenly they had a full body again. They were obviously going to do better, but this this run, 10 and 17 since the All-Star break, that is, that is not good for a team that's wanting to get into playoffs. Yeah, and a team that potentially looked like they'd be a good shout for the playoffs. Now, they're not completely out of it they're if I came back but and with the Raptors not wanting to win games Cavs probably not wanting to win games near Detroit or Orlando the Bulls are probably the only kind of challenger to the Wizards yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to find out what they do try and piece together to try and steady the ship and get back in one guy who is who's just not stopped though is Nikola Vucevic. He is just putting up some big numbers, no matter if he only has played 20 tonight, um, which he has done in a few games where they've just decided, yeah, we're not winning this game, we're just going to pull you off. And it's like the game's still close. It's like before the middle of the third quarter, you don't just give up, especially if you're, if you're battling for playoffs. So there's definitely been a lot of questions about Billy Donovan's rotations, what his 
game planning has been like when he's been going into some of these matchups. He's been playing Thad Young off the bench, starting him, playing him at centre, playing him at point guard. He doesn't really know what to do with these guys. Nah, and I think that that comes down to being a coach. And I think I think he's kind of been found out to a certain extent that maybe he's not head coach. He was very lucky in, in places he's been previously with the, the talent that he's had. But I, I question, I start to question whether he's actually head coach material or whether he should just maybe be an assistant or maybe go back to college is another route. But for me, I think that Bulls team, you look at that roster, that is, that's a play, that's a decent playoff team. Not even a play-in. That is a decent playoff team. Obviously, injuries and stuff play a part, but like every team has to deal with that. So I, I think that's that's one that I I kind of hope they do make the playing game, but it's, it's tough for them moving forward. Yeah, me too. I hope they make the playing game as well, mainly because I've still got Vizovic on my roster. So oh, if they start do. tanking, then oh, oh no. Always, always <laughs> worry about your fantasy team. Anyway, we, sh- <laughs> we, shall, we shall call it time. Uh, for today thanks so much for joining us and we will be back next week you've been listening to across the pond sports podcast part of across the pond sports network keep checking back for more episodes sports social podcast network step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply